Ah, yes. Welcome to a Wednesday morning edition of MLB Morning Coffee from the Ocean Avenue Studios here in San Francisco, California. It is a pleasure to have you along for the ride. Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. Helps out the metrics tremendously. So from my own personal past, a year ago yesterday, we're recording this actually on September 15th, the Idaho Falls Chuckers, the Pioneer League affiliate of the Kansas City Royals, beat the Ogden Raptors, the Pioneer League affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers, 10-8 in Game 3 of the Pioneer League Championship Series to win their first and potentially last Pioneer League title. Joining me is the Director of Public Relations for the Idaho Falls Chuckers, a man that has been on this podcast before, one of the best voices on baseball out there that you should get to know, my man, Chris Hall. What is up, C. Hall? How are you doing, buddy? Doing good. Just loving baseball. Ready. Glad it's all back. Ready for some playoff baseball. I got to ask, and I know that people don't come to this podcast to hear about the Pioneer League, but best memory from that night down in Ogden, because we sure had ourselves a time, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's two very different memories that stand out. It's the first one is, you know, I'm sitting sitting right behind home plate, about four rows deep, and Chuckers pitcher Stephen Ridings was charting pitches right in front in the row in front of me. And there was an Ogden fan that was just just wearing him and me out all game, just saying he was better at baseball than Stephen Ridings. And Stephen Ridings getting a little frustrated with that. And then the Chuckers having, I think, just exploding for runs in the third and fourth inning, I want to say. And he just got real quiet. So I love that. But then also just the Isaiah Henry home run towards the end of the game that kind of sealed it. That's the big, that's the big memory. I think of, Oh, Oh my gosh, we're going to do this. I still remember you and the rest of the front office. Maybe you weren't a part of them. Maybe you and your wife, Kendall were still back, but I know that Kevin green owner, DG Elmore, Kevin green, the general manager, vice president, Paul Henderson, everybody was beyond the left field wall in Ogden because it was too pressure packed to stay behind the plate and that was one of those games where like Idaho Falls went up six nothing and then Ogden scored five the Chuckers scored two Ogden scored two it was an eight seven game at one point or nine seven I can't remember but that was a game where it looked like the Chuckers were going to be so far ahead and then Ogden just came back and it was like they're not going to blow this game are they and then like you said that Isaiah Henry Homer kind of gave everybody the sense that okay this team has got this. Uh, one of my favorite games that I've ever called in my five-year broadcasting career in minor league baseball. And on a side note, I'd say actually my favorite, one of my favorite memories is actually from the game before that. Uh, my wife, Kendall, and I drove down and we actually had the Pioneer League Championship trophy in my car that we had gotten from Great Falls, um, the last series of the regular season. And Ogden went up early and like scored two runs in like the first inning. And our GM, Kevin Green, sent me a text that said, you brought the trophy to the ballpark, right? And I said, oh, no, I didn't. And so I got on a Lime scooter. I sped back to the hotel. I grabbed the car with the trophy in it, drove back to the ballpark, parked, walked through the stadium with this trophy with Ogden fans wearing me out. Oh, it's a good thing you brought that for us. It's a good thing you brought that for us. And then as we walked up into the seats, the Chuckers took the lead and never, never looked back. It was great. 
Absolutely fantastic memories from that. But we are here to talk Major League Baseball. Chris, there have been a lot of things about this weird 60-game season that have surprised me. There are some things that have been expected. I would say two of the biggest surprises to me are the Chicago White Sox being probably the best team in the American League and the San Diego Padres probably arriving a year early. Another thing that was expected, though, for me is how good the Los Angeles Dodgers have been, how good the Tampa Bay Rays have been, and on the negative side, how far the Houston Astros have fallen off from where they've been the previous three years. What have been some of the biggest surprises for you in this weird 2020 shortened season? I'd say that my two biggest surprises are, first, the Miami Marlins. Just, I mean, I watch a lot of baseball, play fantasy baseball, and I think I'd really be stretching to name six to seven Miami Marlins. Uh, what they're doing in the NL East, and I know it comes down to winning percentage. They miss so many games with guys going on COVID, which honestly I thought made it even more impressive. They had about a 10-day, two-week stretch of basically their AAA team playing major league teams and to be able to stay in this playoff hunt, um, you know, taking a few now in a row from the Phillies to kind of cement themselves in that with a couple weeks to go. And then also my San Francisco Giants, I, you know, a week into the season was saying, well, you know, maybe we can get the number one pick. We'll get Kumail Rocker. We'll kind of restart this, uh, this rebuild. And then they went on a big winning streak right after, I think it was John Boy tweeted out a video that they were losing games on purpose to the A's. Um, you know, Mike Yastrzemski has been Carl Yastrzemski and they've been fun to watch, but as things would match up right now, they play the Dodgers and I would not love that. I have to agree with you on the San Francisco Giants because I think that the Giants were a team that everybody thought was going to be the doormat of the National League West this year. The Giants were a team that, outside of Johnny Cueto, didn't really have any pitching talent that anybody wanted to talk about. Now, Kevin Gaussman, I think, was somebody that a lot of people overlooked because he had a bad year last year, but from his time in Baltimore, and granted, I know that his Atlanta Braves tenure isn't as much to speak about, but Kevin Gaussman was an established major league pitcher. This is a lineup that got a bunch of nobodies, whether it be Mike Yastrzemski or Donovan Solano or the resurgence of guys like Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria. This is a team that all of a sudden came together, and at least the last time I looked, Chris, they were fourth in all of Major League Baseball in runs scored. And here was something to me that, was fascinating. I heard this on the radio. The Giants, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, had an eight-game streak of scoring at least four or more runs. They had not done that since prior to the Bruce Bochy era. Say what you want about Gabe Kapler, but the San Francisco Giants are a much better offensive team now than you can maybe even argue any year during the Bruce Bochy era. And they won three World Series. Yeah, I my one of my best friends, Jeff Nielsen, he's a big Giants fan. We talk, you know, every night or texting during games. And at the beginning of the season, it was, 
well, Gabe Kapler might be a really good manager. He, you know, he does some weird things that I don't always agree with, with the starting rotation and not naming guys ahead of time. But when we thought we were rebuilding that, you know, we were going to want the Giants to get an early round pick, we started talking about, is Gabe Kapler too good of a manager to, to lose, to, to go all the way to the bottom to get a number one pick? Is, you know, should we trade Mike Yastrzemski so that we can get that? But uh, honestly, it's been a lot of fun to watch this team with pretty much no household names, just string together wins, you know, a lot of them coming late in games. And, you know, I'm sure if I was a Dodgers fan or a Cubs Nats fan, I'd be thinking to myself, is there still a little bit of even year magic left in this team? Yeah, I think the San Francisco Giants are a team that is going to get to the playoffs. At this point, the Colorado Rockies went from, in the first three weeks of the season, being this is a team that could challenge the Dodgers in the National League West to what the hell happened to this team. I have absolutely no idea why they've fallen off the face of the earth. I think that the Giants are going to make the playoffs probably just barely over either the Phillies, the Brewers, or the Mets, but the Giants aren't going to be a team that challenges for a World Series title. And that brings me to, I want to talk about the National League. I was looking at this the other day when I was talking about the playoffs. I, in my opinion, believe there are only two teams that legitimately can win the World Series from the National League, and they're both in the NL West, That's the Dodgers and the Padres because the Dodgers are the best overall team in all baseball. I don't think that there's anybody that can argue that. The Padres made a lot of moves at the deadline to get better in the bullpen. They acquired two new catchers. They traded away a guy in Austin Hedges that I thought was going to have a chance to be a good player, but they picked up two catchers, Austin Nola and I can't remember, who was the second catcher that they picked up at the deadline? Jason Castro. Jason Castro, yeah, the veteran of the Astros Twins. He was previously with the Angels. So they pick up Jason Castro and Austin Nola. They pick up Mike Clevenger. They pick up Trevor Rosenthal. They made a ton of moves to make that team better in the short term and the near future in the long term. They've got possibly the most exciting player in baseball in Fernando Tatis Jr. Even though that they're young, I still think the Padres are a contender to win the World Series this year. Chris, am I wrong in saying that there isn't a team that can make it to the World Series in the National League besides the Padres and the Dodgers? And if I am, tell me who else. I think you got to throw the Cubs in there um, just with their pitching. And maybe this is something you've talked about on yesterday's episode. But I think the revelation that's come out that there aren't going to be days off in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs is a huge factor that's kind of going under talked about. Um, You aren't going to be able to see teams pitch just two or three starters throughout a series, run innings up like we're used to seeing teams do with an ace. It's really going to come down to the depth of your starting rotation. And I think more than anyone, that's a huge, huge advantage for the Dodgers. But I think the Cubs have also had, you know, fairly steady starting pitching. And I think the team that that hurts more than anybody is the Padres, who 
you know, but after you get past Clevenger and Paddock, I don't know that they have two more starters that I would look at in a matchup in a playoff series and go, okay, I trust that they're going to shut this next team down, get a win and get the ball back into Paddock or Clevenger's hands tomorrow. I'm going to sound like a dick when I say this, because I'm not sure you even thought of this guy, but Zach Davies is seven and two with a 2.48 ERA. At least that's what he was going into last night's game. We're recording this before the Padres and Dodgers finish. So I think that you've got three starters that have the potential. I don't know about the Atlanta Braves pitching. I think that they've got a lineup that's as good as anybody. You've got two MVP candidates in Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna, guys who are both top five in the league in RBI and on base percentage. I feel like Atlanta is getting overlooked because the NL East has been a very weird division this year. Like you said, the Marlins have been a positive surprise. They've got a great young pitching staff and the defending World Series champion Washington Nationals have just been god awful. What do you think about the Braves at this point? And do you think that they have a chance to surprise the Dodgers, or the Padres? I just, when I think about it, I can't think of the last team that we saw slug their way to a World Series. Uh, Playoff baseball, the games get shortened with those bullpens. You have less opportunities to have the big inning. And I I agree with you. I think the Braves are really going to struggle with pitching. Uh, I guess, you know, Cole Hamels coming back, he'd have to be old Cole Hamels instead of, you know, old as in his age, Cole Hamels. And I, I agree. I just don't see them as a World Series contender. We're here with Chris Hall, the director of public relations for the Idaho Falls Chuckers, the Pioneer League affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. My good friend, somebody that has joined us on this podcast multiple times. He's just a great guy to talk ball with, and we're doing that with him right now. We're going to stay in the National League for our next couple of topics, but I do want to address what you brought up a couple of minutes ago and something that I was going to bring up on the show today that just got announced. And to me, this is once again Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred completely just stepping in it. Major League Baseball announces that there's going to be no off days between the Wild Card Series and the NL and ALDS and no off days between the AL and NLDS and the Championship Series. Like you said, in past baseball playoff situations, you're able to go with a three-man rotation because of the off days that you have. And you can have your number one starter go on three days rest, and your number two starter can go on four days rest if it gets to a game five. Teams did not know this prior to the playoffs. Lindsey Adler, the Yankees beat writer for The Athletic, tweeted out earlier today that Aaron Boone had no idea that this was going to be the case. The trade deadline was two weeks ago. If teams had known this, they would have been much more aggressive in being in the market for another starting pitcher. Is this criminal negligence on the part of Major League Baseball for not making this decision before the trade deadline? Yeah, and, you know, Lord knows I have my issues with Rob Manfred, but, you know, on some of these things, I cut him a little bit of slack of this is an unprecedented situation. No commissioner in baseball history has ever, in any sports history, has ever had to navigate 
you know, how to play a season during a pandemic, what's going to be the best course of action. But to just so obviously be figuring things out as you go when they had close to three months of time in between that they were negotiating with the Players Association, that they could have been figuring out all these details. It just seems like something that you can't push on these teams by surprise. I mean, the Yankees, I imagine, would have gone out and been a lot more aggressive for starting pitching. Like you said, I think you would have seen the A's be more aggressive for starting pitching instead of stopping at Mike Miner. Um, I think it's going to hurt a lot of these teams. It's going to benefit the teams that were already built with depth. Um, And I just don't understand how it's not something that came up in discussions at the league office before what seems like was last week. This just seems to be major league baseball continually not having a plan. And like on Monday, the Oakland A's and the Seattle Mariners played a double header in Seattle that had an air quality rating of 280 parts per million. Those doubleheader games were played. Last night, the San Francisco Giants were supposed to play the Seattle Mariners. Air quality of 240. They postponed the game. They postponed the two-game series, and they're going to play it in San Francisco starting today. Again, this is just another situation of Major League Baseball. Like, what are you doing? And if you're Bob Melvin and the Oakland Athletics, you have to be absolutely furious. Like, Ramon Laureano was out playing center field wearing an N95 mask. To me, that is not acceptable. Yeah, they're figuring things out as they go, and it just shows a lack of leadership. I have been saying for a few months now that if I was the Major League Baseball, a Major League Baseball owner, I would be getting all the owners together, and I would call Adam Silver, and I would say, write a number down on a piece of paper like they do in the movies. What does it cost to get you to baseball? He, No one has looked better in the sports world through this pandemic than Adam Silver, and I don't think anyone has looked worse than Rob Manfred. I'll agree with that, except for possibly some of the commissioners of college football that have decided to play college football during the pandemic, but that's a different topic for a different podcast. Chris, biggest disappointment, the Washington Nationals following up a World Series title with an absolute dud of a 2020 season or the Arizona Diamondbacks picking up Madison Bumgarner and Starling Marte and having a young lineup that everybody thought had a chance to challenge the Dodgers for the top spot in the National League West, just completely having the bottom fall out on them and them basically trading away a lot of their core from the past couple of years. I, I would say of those two, I would lean a little bit more towards the Diamondbacks, who I think a lot of people thought were up an up-and-coming team that made some smart moves. Madison Bumgarner was going to be a smart move for the playoffs. Um, to give up on Starling Marte 40 games into the season, who's looked great with the Marlins since he got there, actually. Um, I think that's a bigger disappointment than for me. Um, I feel felt like I kind of saw this coming with the Nationals, especially, I mean, not having Juan Soto because of some weird COVID stuff um, to start the season. Strasburg 
dealing with carpal tunnel, which is, I mean, how could you have guessed that's coming? Losing Rendon. I kind of saw that coming where I didn't have incredibly high hopes for the Diamondbacks, but I thought that was a solid playoff team even before the expanded playoffs. And yeah, just just a weird situation. I left one team out of that scenario, Chris, and I apologize for doing so. Everybody and their mother that I read this year thought that the Cincinnati Reds were going to win the National League Central. The Reds, as we're recording this, are four games under 500. They have already fired their broadcaster in the middle of the season, so that's obviously not a good sign. <laughs> but you pick up Nick Castellanos, you pick up Mike Moustakis, you've got Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray as a solid one-two punch in your rotation. Their bullpen has just been absolutely terrible. They picked up Archie Bradley from the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Cincinnati Reds are just one of those teams that I feel like everybody thought they were going to arrive this year, and they were somewhat reading their own press clippings before the season started. Yeah, and that that would be my pick for the biggest in the league. I was leading the Reds bandwagon, it felt like, this offseason. I thought Nick Castellanos was just going to be incredible having Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, who have both been great. Um, Mike Moustakis. And I think that team might have some just organizational issues. That's another team that it just seems like didn't handle COVID very well. A team that, you know, the Marlins had one huge outbreak at the beginning of the year where the Reds kept having little ones pop up throughout the year. It just, it just, seems to me like that's a team with some organizational issues that the talent is there, but they can't just put it together. There's no leadership. By the way, this is not a baseball topic, but I just want to talk about this real quick because you're a basketball fan as well. The Denver Nuggets just won game seven against the Los Angeles Clippers uh, and in convincing fashion to 104-89. This year's LA Clippers, one of the most disappointing teams in the past few years, given how much talent they had? Easily. Unreal to me, uh, talking about the L.A. Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Good, for though, for the Denver Nuggets, a team that I thought was one of the best teams top to bottom in terms of organizational homegrown talent over the past couple of years. But this is obviously not that podcast. If you want to hear me talk basketball, Tune into the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast, which I record way less frequently than this one because the Chicago Bulls may not play another game until February based on how the NBA is trending. But anyway, Chris, let's move to the American League. The Chicago White Sox, to me, have been the biggest surprise because a lot of people thought that even with the amount of talent that they had, that they were still a year away. They've proven to be the most exciting offense in all of baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays have been good, despite the fact that their whole pitching staff and their pitching staff's mothers are on the injured list. The New York Yankees are still in contention for a wild card, despite them having Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge on the injured list for a significant period of time. The Toronto Blue Jays have got a lot of young talent, and they have overperformed expectations. In the AL West, the Houston Astros lost Justin Verlander in the first few games of the season, and they've been under 500, and the Seattle Mariners are within a game and a half of a playoff spot in the American League West. What has been the biggest surprise to you about the AL this year? I think my biggest surprise has been 
that the Tampa Bay Rays, with their injuries, like you said, have just looked like juggernauts the entire season. There has there haven't been you know big swings and a huge win streak here, losing streak. They've just been consistently. I think probably the second or third best team in baseball from start to finish. And I think what Aaron Boone and the Yankees have been able to do with not just Stanton and judge, like you said, DJ LeMahieu missed quite a bit of time. Uh, I can't think of his name. The catcher Gary Sanchez has been terrible this year. And for that team to still be in contention with not a great pitching staff um, has been really great. And, not to just go all AL East on you, I think in the opposite way, the Red Sox, I mean, that I thought that was a team that even without Mookie Betts was still going to be able to score runs, was going to be able to, uh, especially in an expanded playoff, be able to compete for one of those spots. And they've been one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in baseball this year. I think regardless of the Red Sox offense, their pitching staff has been Martin Perez and a whole hell of a lot of nothing. Obviously losing Eduardo Rodriguez to not only COVID-19, but myocarditis resulting from that. It was a huge blow for the Red Sox. What you said about the Tampa Bay Rays doesn't surprise me because everybody thought with the way that Kevin Cash structures a pitching staff, in how many openers that he has and how much bullpenning you can do is a strategy that can win during a 60-game season. So the fact that the Rays are at the top really doesn't surprise me. The Chicago White Sox, the Minnesota Twins, and the Cleveland Indians all have a chance to win the American League Central. The Indians have great starting pitching. The White Sox have an insane lineup. The Minnesota Twins have a good balance of both. Of the three teams that are going to make the playoffs in the American League Central, because at this point, the Yankees and the Indians are so far ahead of the next eligible wildcard spot, the only chance that you really have for a change in playoff positioning is the Mariners and the Astros for that second-place spot in the American League West. Which team in the AL Central impresses you the most? For me, and I might be a little biased because my dad's side of the family is from Chicago, It's the White Sox because you've got a rookie of the year candidate. I don't think he's going to win because Kyle Lewis, I think, has that wrapped up with the Mariners in Luis Robert. You've got potential MVP candidates in Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson. I know that you've been big on the Shane Bieber for MVP train, and I acknowledge that train in all of its glory. The Minnesota Twins are a team that when they're hitting homers, they're winning games. But when they're not hitting homers, their lineup looks as bad as any in the AL. Yeah, I I think I agree with you that the team to beat in that division is the White Sox. Um, you know, the offense just is relentless. There's not an easy out there. Uh, the pitching has been good enough. Uh, you know, Lucas Giolito threw a no-hitter. Um, like you said, I am the conductor of the Shane Bieber MVP train. Um, in my opinion, I don't find it particularly close between him and a second place person in the AL. Um, and what that team has been able to do with trading. Think about if any team in MLB traded Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger in the last 12 months and what they've been able to do, uh, you know, 
if Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez and Carlos Santana can find a way to get hot at the right time, that's a scary team because the pitching has been great. They've got young pitching. They always do. Every time they call somebody up, it seems like, oh, yeah, he's an all-star. Um, the Twins, I just find to be an unspectacular team, and I don't – maybe it's like what you said, that when they're not hitting a lot of home runs, they don't do anything, but I just don't like watching Twins games. I, You never know what you're going to get with them, and I think it could be a real quick playoff out for the Twins when it comes down to it. Yeah, the Minnesota Twins are a team that they – they have to be hot at the right time. They have to have everything clicking right on point. And I just don't think that they're a team that you can rely upon to be consistent. The White Sox pitching is good enough. If Dallas Keuchel comes back off of the injured list, I think that they're probably a top three team in the American League. Which brings me to the AL West. The Oakland A's have been the best team in the AL West by a long shot despite the fact that they have a lineup of guys that none of them are hitting over 250. They lost Matt Chapman for the year due to hip surgery. They pick up Jake Lamb, who's basically going to be their third baseman going forward. The Houston Astros have been underwhelming. Granted, they've had a lot of injuries. I think that the A's have a chance to make some noise, but I just, I don't see the Oakland A's as a team that when push comes to shove in a five-game series is going to be able to match up with the White Sox, the Rays, or the Yankees, or the Twins. I agree, and losing Matt Chapman is huge, I think. He's one of my favorite players in all of baseball to watch. Losing him for the rest of the season sucks. Um, And for the A's, I think it's just going to come down to that's another team that I think the change to no off days in the playoffs is really going to hurt. I just don't know that they have um, the depth to be able to compete with teams that have depth to just go through a seven game series. I don't, I don't see it even though all year um, I've thought to myself, uh, this here could come a losing streak for the A's and they just keep proving people wrong. Um, I'd love to see them go on a run. I, that's a team that's had some of the worst playoff luck in baseball over the last few years. Um, but I just don't see any of these teams in the AL West being true contenders. If you had to pick a team right now that's going to represent the American League in the World Series, and I'll give you my World Series picks. You know what? Let's just give your World Series picks. Who is your World Series matchup if you had to say, Right now, these are the two teams that I'm putting in the World Series. Uh, Right now, I would say the Yankees and the Padres would be my my pick for the World Series. See, that's a very interesting pick. By the way, shout out to the 1998 World Series of which Bruce Bochy was the manager of the Padres. This is contingent upon, Chris, the Yankees having Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge back, right? Um, It's contingent, certainly, on Aaron Judge coming back. I am not a huge Giancarlo Stanton believer, but I just think that team, top to bottom in the lineup, is going to hit no matter who's there. They're so deep on that offense. Garrett Cole, um, 
I just think you're going to be able to count on him to get you a win every four days in the playoffs and the rest of the pitching and that bullpen will figure it out. See, the one thing about the Yankees that, you know, I've talked with you off the air about the AL MVP. I've been big on Jose Abreu. You've been big on Shane Bieber. A lot of people are obviously big on Mike Trout. He's having a very solid year, albeit for a team that's not going to make the playoffs. People are also big on Tim Anderson. One guy that really not a lot of people are talking about, and actually I'm going to put it on two guys. Both play for the Yankees. DJ LeMayu is hitting 363 with an OPS of 984. Luke Voigt now has 18 homers and has driven in 42. His RBI numbers are not in the category of an Abreu, but you talk about the Yankees staying relevant given all of their injuries. Luke Voigt is a huge part of that, and I think that's a guy that's going to get a significant amount of top five MVP votes. That's a guy that you just watch him hit and you think to yourself, how did the Cardinals let this guy go? He's he's awesome. He battled injuries last year. Um, but all of his time since he got to the Yankees that he's been healthy, this has been the guy that he is. He's amazing. And I agree with you that he deserves some votes. Uh, I don't particularly care about RBI as a stat. Um but yeah, what he's meant to just stabilizing that team through their injuries, I think you could absolutely make the argument that true value, what he's meant to that team, um, I could see the argument for him. Here's an interesting question, and I'll give you my World Series matchup. It's going to be Rays and Dodgers. I just think that Tampa's got the best pitching. They're the most consistent team. I love the White Sox. I think the White Sox are going to be the best team in baseball two years from now, but I still think that they don't have that experience level to bring it home. The St. Louis Cardinals are currently second in the National League Central, but the Cardinals are a team that's going to have to play more games over the final 12 days than any team in Major League Baseball. Tonight, and we're recording this on September 15th, this is MLB Morning Coffee for the 16th, tonight, the Brewers beat the Cardinals 18-3. Jack Flaherty was chased after three innings. With the amount of doubleheaders that they're going to have to play, and with the Brewers and Reds not that far behind, relatively speaking, can the Cardinals make it to the finish line in the top eight? I would not be surprised to see them get there. They're going to have like you said, a hell of a time doing it. I think just the grind of how many games they're going to have to play puts them in a tough position. I don't think that helps them. Um, but even if they do, I just think that the wear and tear of that many games in that many days is just going to be detrimental to them if they do make the playoffs. Sorry, apparently my... Uh... My recording device just decided to crap out on me, so I'm going to just do this off of my internal mic for the rest of the podcast, so my apologies to you there, Chris. uh, I'm not going to edit this out. I just need to be full frontal. My iMic device has been very fidgety. I bought my computer once, and it just decides it wants to completely crap out on me. But in any event, NL MVP... 
I already know your stance on AL MVP. It's Shane Bieber. Mine is Jose Abreu. Is it anybody other than Fernando Tatis Jr. in your opinion? And if so, state who and why. I think the only person you could make an argument for other than Fernando Tatis is Mookie Betts. But I think that Fernando Tatis um, has a pretty wide gap on that. And it would be, he would need a real rough last two weeks of the season to lose that. I think that Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna are also guys that have an opportunity to be in the MVP conversation, albeit they may cancel each other out. Ozuna's going to have very high homer numbers and very high RBI numbers. Freddie Freeman's going to have a high batting average and an obliteratingly high on-base percentage. So I think that Freddie Freeman's a guy that has a chance to be the MVP. But I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is the flavor of the month. This is the guy that everybody believes is going to be the next generational superstar. The Padres have been an absolute blast to watch this year, and I've made an executive decision based on the fact that my recording device has decided to crap out on me. This is going to be the whole podcast. We're not going to do any recaps of the games. If you want to go over them, go online, all right? You have that power. (laughs) You can go to MLB.com. You can look at everything that happened. This is going to be the podcast for tonight. So just call this a playoff analysis with Greg Mraz and Chris Hall former co-hosts of the Just Chuck It podcast, a show that we ran in Idaho Falls that lasted maybe four episodes. And now I realized that I needed to muster up a little bit more energy to do a podcast as much as I'm doing now. Obviously, working in minor league baseball, we've got a lot of other stuff going on besides doing a podcast. But in any event, what is something that you are most looking forward to in regards to the 2020 playoffs? I'll tell you one thing I'm not looking forward to, having the World Series at freaking Globe Life Field. Like, I'm sorry. If you were to pick a neutral site for a World Series, the only two places that I would say would be worse would be Tropicana Field and the Oakland Coliseum. Like, Globe Life Field just looks atrocious. I'm sorry. You paid a lot of money for a ballpark that looks like a freaking solar powered grill. I don't think it's a bad looking park. I think there's one major issue that they need to work out if they're going to have playoff games there. And that is the camera at globe life field has been terrible. Uh, this season, the positioning of it is strange. It's not centered. It's not a camera angle that you're used to seeing in national broadcasts or, um, you know, at fields that have been able to figure this out. You know, if you're watching just your local team and it's not the Rangers, uh, I think you'd be surprised at the camera angle if you're watching a lot of games at Globe Life Field in the in the playoffs. I don't like that. I, it's the same thing in Buffalo. Both of them, I think, just are having a hard time with that. Uh but I, I think the field looks kind of good. I think it's going to be interesting with that really low uh, suite level when they have fans back in games, though. I still thought that the fact that Rob Manfred floated that he wants fans at the LCS and the World Series, the whole point of a playoff bubble is to have no fans. You want the season to finish. We've seen with the NBA and the NHL that – bubbles work if you want everything to finish so 
I Rob Manfred gonna Rob Manfred there. That's all I'm gonna say in that regard. As we wrap it up here on MLB Morning Coffee, apologies for my audio quality. My audio recording adapter just decided to completely crap out on me. I am working with older technology, and let's just chalk it up to 2020 being a complete joke. But Chris, what is the one thing in any topic that you feel like people need to watch out for coming down the stretch or into the playoffs? Just one thing that people should be paying attention to It can be a team, a player, a trend, something in regards to COVID. What is one thing that you want people to pay attention to as Major League Baseball moves from the regular season into this weird NBA-style playoffs? I think the biggest thing to look out for is what teams are going to get hot here in the next two weeks going into the playoffs. I think... This bubble, and I know you and I both hope that it's a fanless atmosphere, but I think it's going to be a fanless atmosphere in the playoffs. Um, I think it's a disadvantage to the higher-seeded teams. I think you could see a team get scorching hot going into the playoffs and be reminiscent of you know, that Colorado Rockies team that got went to the World Series in the early 2000s. Um, the team that I think think might be able to do it is the Philadelphia Phillies who have been the most hot and cold team in baseball, maybe all season. Um, But I think it's worth keeping an eye on, especially in the NL um, where it seems like there's a five to six teams that could make it into the bottom half of that playoff race, Um, which teams get hot. And then how teams that clinch playoff spots um, act, you know, do the Dodgers who I think their magic number is two now, do they rest or do they with such a short season, just keep guys going, keep in the routine. Um, and how does that impact what has been some pretty terrible playoff luck for them in the past four or five years? Um, but I'm, that's my, if I'm looking into the crystal ball right now, I, the team that I feel like people should keep an eye on is the Philadelphia Phillies. I will counter that by saying, I think the team that everybody should keep an eye on is the Houston Astros because Houston is a team that as of right now is still going to be in the playoffs. And if they get Justin Verlander back and with the amount of talent that they have in that lineup, and if you can set up a three man rotation that has Verlander, Zach Greinke, and either Lance McCullers, Colin McHugh, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier, a lot of guys that Houston has touted as being studs, at least the guys that have pitched this year, Javier and Valdez, this is a team that could be just as dangerous as they've ever have been. Now, they don't have the buzzers under their jerseys this year, and they don't have the trash cans, but... (laughs) Houston has been there before. Everybody in that lineup has been there before. Now, they have young guys that are not as experienced, such as an Abraham Toro or a Kyle Tucker, but everybody has been there before. If Houston gets hot, watch out for them in the postseason because they're still as talented as anybody else. And to wrap up on this point, Chris, you talk about the Dodgers. I think that this is the year that the Dodgers have to say, We are the best team 
by far in Major League Baseball. Like, there are a lot of good teams. The Los Angeles Dodgers are by far the best team. So if they don't get back to the World Series, granted, anything goes once you actually get into the World Series, it will be a disappointment for me if they don't get back to the World Series, which is why I'm expecting a Rays-Dodgers World Series. That's my prediction as of right now. But I don't know what more you can do if you're the Dodgers organization at this point. You have shed some bad salaries. You have developed talent that is going to be a big part of your success for years to come. You have guys like Gavin Lux that are going to be generational players that haven't even made their major league debuts yet. This is the time for the Dodgers. If not now, when? Because Clayton Kershaw is not getting any younger. That's a team that's going to look a lot different next year if they don't make a serious run at the World Series or at least get there this year, I think. Different in terms of manager? Sorry, I think my computer picked up. uh, I think it thought me saying World Series was me asking for Siri. (laughs) I'm going to keep that in there because I think that that's pretty funny. When you say that, do you mean manager Dave Roberts? Is this an indictment on Dave Roberts if they don't get back to the World Series this year? I thought Dave Roberts was gone after last season, and I think David I think Dave Roberts is a really good manager. I think last year when I thought he was going to get fired, that's who I wanted the Giants to go get. I thought it would be, you know, have some vibes of when the Giants went and got Bruce Bochy from the Padres. Um, but I don't think he can survive it. I think, you know, you could see guys that, you know, were considered pieces of the Dodgers moving forward moved if this isn't a team that can compete like Corey Seager, like Jock Peterson. Um, you know, I think these are guys that if they can't do it this year, the front office has to look at it and say something has to change. Bringing Mookie Betts in wasn't even enough. Ooh. Maybe it turns into, okay, we go all out for Francisco Lindor for a season, or I don't I don't know who else they could pull out. But if I was running the Dodgers, if they don't make it to the World Series this year, this is possibly the most disappointing five-year stretch in team history. I mean, this is a team that should have won at least one World Series in that stretch. I agree, uh, 1,000%. So, Chris Hall, absolutely a pleasure to have you on as always. This has been another edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios. Have a great day. Catch you in the AM. And as always, like we sign off every podcast, Black Lives Matter.